0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: The most valuable hemp production right now is for CBD. Again, which comes from flowers. A lot of that is indoor production.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Mike Pearson here, co-host of the Ag News Daily podcast. Joined on this Friday by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing today?
2: Good, Mike. I'm officially done with all my grad class stuff.
0: Yay! You're officially done!
2: Officially official. Now I just got to walk across the stage. So you're a master
0: of... You're a master of what?
2: Ag communications.
0: Of ag communications. Now what did you learn pursuing your master's degree that you didn't know previously?
2: I learned a lot. How are you
0: going to be a better ag communicator?
2: Well, So master's degrees focus a lot on research and I really didn't have any experience doing upper level research so I learned a lot from that and like long term, I've always wanted to teach at a college level, so you have to have at least a master's degree to do that.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So this was uh, this was nothing that's going to help the podcast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I took a lot of classes focused on social media work. Got some ideas for revamping the Twitter and Facebook. We started a global ag network Snapchat so people can follow us there.
0: That's right, and we've had fantastic guests, hosts, doing the work on that Snapchat, Delaney. Where should they find it?
2: It's at Global Ag Network.
0: At Global Ag Network, folks. If you are a snapper, get that into your snap thing. Follows, Actually, favorites. I don't like Snapchat.
2: I want to enlist people's help though, because when I created the Snapchat, so Snapchat's really dumb. You can't technically have two accounts on one phone, so you have to like log out of one account. Log back into another. So when I created the Global Ag Network Snapchat, it still pops up as my name, but has the Global Ag Network as the Snapchat handle. So if anybody knows how to fix that and change it, I've Googled a lot of stuff and I haven't really found any answers.
0: Professional snappers, we need your assistance.
2: <laughs> yes, I am not a professional snapper. Oh, right. I just do it for fun. But No. Yeah,
0: well, you know, one of these days we'll figure out how to get you paid for it.
2: Yeah, Hopefully.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Well, that is good news. Delaney, we're glad to hear you're wrapping up with graduate school. That is always important to get that education that's something nobody can ever take away exactly. from you. Exactly. Once you got that piece of paper hanging on the wall.
2: That's right. That's exactly right.
0: Yep. Well, what else is going on? What other news do we have in the world of agriculture for this Fraier edition?
2: Well, I've got quite a bit of news here coming out from China. And there's a couple of pieces. I think they're all pretty related here. On Thursday, China's Commerce Ministry said that the ultimate goal of the Sino-U.S. trade talks is to remove all tariffs. And so, of course, we know as of last week, we agreed to a 90-day truce. And starting January 1st, we could potentially see those tariffs come off altogether. Um, We're not going to see the U.S. hike on another 25% twenty five percent tariffs on two hundred million dollar goods. But, Mike, I was reading something and I think this ties into it pretty nicely here and makes a lot of sense. According to the ERS, projections for fiscal year twenty nineteen are expected to we're expected to see the trade surplus in agriculture products lower or decrease. Usually ag is one of the only sectors that sees a trade surplus And we're expected to see it drop to its lowest level, which is going to be about $14.5 billion in surplus, its lowest level since 2007. We're expected to export a projected $141.5 billion in fiscal year 2019, and expected imports, ag imports, are expected to be around $127 billion.
0: Which makes sense ton of soybeans, tons and tons and tons of soybeans sitting in bins and in ground piles across the uh, northern Great Plains Mm -hmm. waiting for that tariff to disappear so it can be put on boats and shipped over to China. We should see quite a bit of an ag surplus if this trade deal ends up panning out the way it's uh, shaping up so far. Yes. Get those beans to move it.
2: That's right, Mike.
0: Well, we've got some news here. I mentioned yesterday that OPEC was planning on cutting production. They announced today their actual cut. The OPEC countries are going to cut 0.8 million barrels per day of oil production, and non-OPEC allies, predominantly Russia, are going to cut 0.4 million barrels per day of cut. So altogether, we are going to see just over a million, 1.2 million barrels per day of oil production cut from OPEC and Russia. Now, this caused the price of oil to jump about 5% earlier today. The good news is higher oil prices probably are going to lead to continued strength for the American crude oil the st- sector, our shale producers, and Delaney. Mm-hmm. We had some fantastic news about America's oil exports. Did you see this? It happened yesterday.
2: Uh, no, I didn't. Fill me in.
0: America, for the first time in 75 years, is a net oil exporter. Wow. We're now exporting more oil than we import for the first time in 75 years. It's unbelievable.
2: So wait, can we talk through this OPEC thing a little bit? Because I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Because it seems like yesterday you said prices would increase. Is that because we're going to reduce supply, but demand should Theoretically, the you know,
0: same. Okay. You hit the nail on the head there, Delaney. Okay. That's exactly what's going to happen. Now, here's the thing. When we're talking OPEC and probably Russia in particular, they say they're going to cut production. Delaney, do you know how you cut production on an already producing well?
2: Um, I don't know, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's because you don't. Oh. That oil continues to come out of the ground. Um... So most well, of these numbers, what about, when OPEC throws them around, are kind of shenanigans.
2: I guess one thing they could do would be to just hold on to them as reserves, right? Because they wouldn't necessarily yeah. yep. be entering the marketplace, but they're not really making any cuts to yep. their production.
0: Yeah, and, and they can not... Um, not pump as fast. I mean, there are some mm. ways that you can reduce the amount of oil that is coming out very slightly, but by and large, these numbers are are kind of a joke. Imagine, if you will, that U.S. corn producers all got together in a big room and said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to cut corn production five oh. percent next year."
2: Well, that would just That's mean gonna cause guys the price would of
0: corn to jump.
2: That would just mean guys shouldn't uh, plant corn.
0: Well, they shouldn't, but if prices jump 5%, Delaney, what are they going to do?
2: Plant more corn.
0: Plant more corn, exactly. Hmm. So we need to take these OPEC numbers uh, with a grain of salt, as always.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, well, let's see, Mike. In other trade-related news, I'm going to go back to that frontier, dairy farmers are urging the Trump administration to open up the marketplace in Japan to get more milk into the country. The National Milk Producers Federation was one of four groups that submitted testimony on Thursday at the U.S. International Trade Commission, and they said full market access to Japan's dairy market could boost U.S. exports to the country by 450% and raise the U.S. dairy farm's income by $12 billion, or 3% over a decade, which you know, it's a decent amount of time to get that raise, but we're just we have so much milk. I don't blame dairy producers uh, for making that request. However, Trump, President Trump, already agreed not to press Prime Minister Shinzo Abe to expand Japan's market access, specifically with ag products, when they agreed back in September to launch trade talks. So, doesn't sound like that's going to be an ask President Trump can make at this point in time, but definitely one. Hopefully, he's considering now.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed.
2: Yeah. Hopefully. Uh,
0: Speaking of dairy and cheese production, Delaney, monthly cheese production has grown year over year. Do you want to guess how many consecutive months?
2: No. How many?
0: 67. For over five and a half years, we have produced more cheese every single month than we did that month the year before.
2: Are you doing your part to eat that cheese, Mike?
0: (laughs) You better believe it. I have (laughs) a pizza for lunch, and I might just... And actually, I cheated on my cheese uh, consumption. I actually had Triscuits with Easy Cheese last night for a snack, which isn't i probably think technically cheese
2: like the spray can cheese yeah spray can it's cheese. disgusting don't ever don't ever tell it's me that you incredible. ate that again it's not though i love it all right how do
0: you not love fizzy cheese or it cheese
2: whiz gross. it's gross no it doesn't it tastes like no like, it's like well, the hot
0: like, dogs
2: it's like the hot dogs of cheese
0: It contains, I just pulled out the can, it contains whey, milk protein concentrate, Mm. canola oil, cheddar cheese. Mm -hmm. So there we go. I'm still doing my part. I thought it was all a plastic-based, you know, cheese-type product. It does actually have cheese in it, so I still did my part.
2: Okay, good.
0: Yeah. What other news you got for us, Delaney?
2: Well, next week, the Trump administration is expecting to finally release the much-anticipated Waters of the U.S. rule, the rewritten version, of course. We don't know what's going to be in it yet. Hopefully, they're going to roll back some of those regulations that were put into place during the Obama-era Obama administration. Um, but the National Wildlife Federation says that WOTUS is expected to remove ephemeral effermer, streams from the jurisdiction of the Clean Water Act, as well as most wetlands that aren't physically connected to a regulated waterway.
0: That is good news. That is huge. That was the big concern. That was Mm -hmm. what was dragging in. Yeah. yeah, Field waterways and all sorts of stupid, stupid things that shouldn't be included in that. All right. Well, progress, I suppose. Progress. Got news here from D.C. U.S. job growth slowed in November and monthly wages grew less than forecast. Now, That's not great news on the face of things. However, it does support, Delaney, the comment you made earlier this week that the Fed might not be inclined to raise interest rates Mm -hmm. as much as we get into 2019.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so non-farm payrolls grew by 155,000 jobs last month, Mm -hmm. and uh, construction companies hired the fewest workers in eight months, and that was probably because of the unseasonably cold temperatures that swept across the country.
2: I'm trying to think where I read it at this morning, but uh, I read something in relationship to that from a global perspective. I believe it was something like most of the other economies worldwide are... Pretty stagnant and are seeing job or or uh, money paid in jobs and jobs decreasing as compared to the U.S.
0: Hmm, interesting. I hadn't I hadn't heard that.
2: Yeah, I oh, Man, I'm gonna have to figure out where I read it this morning. I think it was in okay. some market commentary I was reading, but I can't remember where.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, actually, while we're speaking of market commentary, we've got news from a company that those of us in agriculture are very familiar with, John Deere and Company. They announced that they are going to raise their stock dividend by 10 percent despite the slowdown in ag sales. Construction has been very, very strong for them, as well as uh, lawn and garden type equipment. And they are going to go ahead and up their quarterly payout from 69 cents per share. To seventy six cents per share.
2: Is that a lot? I don't know.
0: It's a lot if you own a lot of shares.
2: Well yeah, I suppose so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, everything compounds Delaney, but ten percent is a is a big jump.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess that's true, especially when you consider um the fact that AG is kind of in a downturn as far as cycles go.
0: Yes, exactly. And so that was that was what was uh, so surprising, I suppose we could say, about that announcement earlier today is it wasn't expecting deer to make that big of a jump, given the state of the farm economy. But construction and their other sectors have been performing very, very well. Uh,
2: yep. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So you got any other news for us today, Delaney?
2: The only other thing I want to mention quickly is um, Monday is, December 10th is a critical date for many producers because it's the insurance period for spring planted crops covered under the Risk Management Agency. Um, In an interview this week with AgriPulse, Bill Northey, our friend here from Iowa, who we're hopefully going to have on the podcast next week, mentioned that this year, they're going to allow people to delay that crop insurance. So, if you've been delayed in your harvest because of weather, etc., you need to make sure and reach out to your crop insurance agent to get that delay covered, basically, so you can still get insurance money for your crops this year.
0: That's right. Get that money, folks. Get that money.
2: Mm hmm. You know all about oh, that the free money.
0: I do. Cream, baby, cream. You know what that means?
2: <laughs> no idea. It's
0: from the Wu Tang Clan. Cash mm. rules everything around me.
2: Okay, great. Thanks for Get that. Get that money. Yeah.
0: Little little hip hop insight for today's okay. Friday edition.
2: Thanks. No, I'm that. in
0: my hip hop mode. We bust into the market, Lenny.
2: Let's do it, Mike.
0: All right, folks at our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, it's never too late to put a marketing plan together for any crops you have left unsold. Give our friends at Zaner a shout. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at zaner, com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. And we've got green on the screen today. Speaking of cash ruling everything around us as we take a look at the grain markets right off the bat, we've got the December corn contract up two cents at three seventy four even. The March up two and three quarters to close at three hundred eighty five and a half. In soybeans, another strong day today. The January contract up seven and a quarter at nine sixteen and three quarters. The March up seven cents, finished at nine twenty nine even. And in Chicago wheat, the December contract up. 14 and a quarter cents to close at 519 and a half. The March, excuse me, that was December. The March was up 15 and three quarters to finish at 531 and a quarter. Looking at livestock we've got a little bit of weakness here in the cattle trade December live cattle down a nickel at one seventeen ninety february down twenty seven and a half to close at one twenty one fifty two fifty mixed trade in feeder cattle with the january contract up seventeen and a half cents at one forty four thirty seven fifty the march down seven and a half to finish at one forty one eighty seven and a half and mixed trade in lean hogs the december contract down twenty seven and a half cents at fifty four twenty five the feb up ninety seven and a half, closed the day at sixty seven eighty seven and a half. Quick look over at the dairy market in Class Three milk. The December contract dropped three cents at thirteen seventy five, while January was also down three to finish at thirteen ninety eight. Now for this Friday edition of the interview, we are going to talk with Kristen Nichols, the editor of Hemp Industry News. Well, folks, we're going to end the week talking about hemp. Now, I want to be clear, joining me on the phone is Kristen Nichols. She is the editor at Hemp Industry Daily. She's also their chief reporter. Now, Kristen, when we're talking hemp, we're not talking about that wacky tobacky, are we? Uh,
1: yes and no, actually. It's the same exact plant, Cannabis Sativa, although it is a variety that has low amounts of the chemical that makes you intoxicated. That's THC.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, that kind of sets the groundwork. Maybe folks who are you know, looking for a little high time on this Friday afternoon should go elsewhere. We want to talk about the industry that's developed around hemp and hemp products, and you are the perfect person to talk to us. Tell us a little bit about Hemp Industry Daily. Who are you guys reaching with your publication?
1: Okay. It's an interesting mix. Uh, The hemp industry is attracting some uh, traditional commodity farmers who are looking for a hedge against uh, really low prices for things like wheat, corn, and soybeans. There are also some marijuana producers who are switching over to hemp because, of course, uh, hemp is legal and marijuana is not, so they can get access to loans and things that uh, really help a business grow. Um You're also seeing some interest from brand-new farmers, people that have maybe never grown anything but want in on this craze for what they call CBD. That's a chemical in hemp that people are putting in all kinds of consumer products.
0: Okay, and that seems to be what, from an outsider's perspective looking in, CBD, CBD oil, that seems to be, like you say, just a really hot topic right now. What is it?
1: Absolutely. It is a chemical in cannabis. Cannabis makes a bunch of cannabinoids. These are chemicals that the plant makes. Um, Cannabis is a dioecious plant, meaning there's uh, dudes and and ladies. (laughs) Females make flowers, and they make cannabinoids. Uh, One of them is THC, which we talked about, which is the chemical that makes you impaired that's in marijuana. Another one of these many chemicals is called cannabidiol. That's CBD for short. Um, It uh, has some properties that people say help them with anxiety and reduces inflammation, but it doesn't make you feel intoxicated or impaired.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. So CBD is presently legal
1: legal, uh, but it's complicated. Um, It's it's legal if it comes from uh, hemp that was produced legally, but according to the DEA and the FDA, it is not legal if it comes from marijuana or if it can, and also it's not legal to put into foods and nutraceuticals. Other people commonly are doing that. So it's a real big gray area right now for producers.
0: Interesting. And now you mentioned Hemp is legal. Is that the case? Is it legal across the board in all 50 states to grow and sell?
1: No, it is not. In 2014, Congress authorized states to experiment with hemp. Hemp production had been illegal for decades because it's the same plant that makes marijuana. In 2014, Congress said, okay, states, if you want to try it and you can guarantee that it's not marijuana, you can authorize a pilot project. Since then... Forty-two states have authorized some kind of hemp production, whether it's one acre on their uh, state land-grant university experimental plot or whether they're allowing any farmer who wants to to try this new crop. There's a whole variety. But most states now do allow hemp production, 42 of them. But there's some pretty big farm states. Yes, 42 do, but some pretty big farm states still don't, Iowa, Texas, South Dakota and Georgia are among the states that do not permit hemp production, and those are pretty big farm states. So not everybody is in the hemp gang yet. Um, and that's where you're seeing people looking for Congress to expand that to all 50 states.
0: Yes, and that was part of the reason I wanted to get you on the line today. We do have a new farm bill that is being discussed. It sounds as though we might have some final language getting released here in the next week. How is hemp approached in this new farm bill?
1: Okay, uh, I always say that the reason we have a hemp industry now is three words, tobacco state Republicans. Uh, people, uh, politicians from tobacco states looking for a head replacement cannabis generally grows well where tobacco grows well. So you're seeing some former tobacco states, particularly in the Mid-Atlantic um, and in the Ohio River Valley, really interested in seeing, can hemp be a replacement for tobacco? Um, so that's why it was the experimental phase in 14. Right now, as your uh, listeners, of course, know, uh, Congress has been debating for months on agreeing to a new farm bill. Um, they've got a couple weeks left to go before this Congress expires. There are proposals to expand hemp to make it where it's not a pilot project. Anybody can grow it, and it's not a controlled substance. Again, you're seeing the influence of tobacco state Republicans wanting to expand that. But right now, it's just too soon to say if that's going
0: to become law. And it seems as though, if I think of the Senate, there should be a pretty helpful guy right there and Senator Mitch McConnell for Tobacco State Republican, correct?
1: Absolutely. The Kentucky Senators, uh, Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul, are probably the biggest cheerleaders in Congress for hemp. You mentioned uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. He probably is the reason. We have any hemp industry now. He is also the biggest champion of pushing it, expanding it further. Um, Kentucky also, interestingly, is the only state that did not spend its tobacco settlement money back in the day on health care. Uh, they are investing it in finding a replacement for tobacco, so you're seeing enormous support in Kentucky for uh, expanding opportunities to produce hemp.
0: Wow. Now, now let's say this farm bill gets passed. That language is included. All of a sudden, all 50 states can grow hemp legally. Is it a crop that can be grown in all 50 states, or will it pretty much be confined to those former tobacco-growing states?
1: That is a fabulous open question, and one that a lot of people are making gambles on. Um, The most valuable hemp production right now is for CBD, again, which comes from flowers. A lot of that is indoor production. So you see it, like where you see floriculture, you see a lot of indoor production. That's why you see it in states like, Colorado. There's even some being produced in Alaska, of all places. But generally speaking, it grows best where tobacco grows best. You see it largely in two areas: in the Mid-Atlantic region, and where they say it's too cold for cotton, too hot for wheat. Uh, Those areas you're going to see probably a lot. Another big area to watch are the Northern Plains states. These are areas that grow a lot of flax and canola. North Dakota has is right now the third largest hemp producer likely will move up. Montana is going to move up to maybe the number one or two hemp producer next year. There are places in the United States that are right across from their neighbors in Canada where uh, farmers in Saskatchewan and Manitoba have been growing hemp largely for oil seeds um, for decades.
0: Really? So, so when you say growing it for oil seeds, what is being harvested then for the oil? Is it the flower?
1: Here's what is annoying about hemp. There's, there's quite a few things that are annoying and frustrating. Um, <laughs> the seeds make an oil just like a grape seed or an oil seed, um, The any other flax seed. The seeds of the cannabis plant make an oil. That doesn't have a lot of CBD in it. Okay. The, also, people are extracting CBD, which is a molecule, from the flowers. It's a fat-soluble molecule. Then they'll mix it with you know a coconut oil or an olive oil and sell it as hemp oil. It's broadly being mislabeled to avoid uh, confusion or prosecution. Let's say I am extracting CBD. I'm not making a seed variety, an oil seed variety. I'm growing a CBD variety. Then I mix it with oil, label it as hemp oil so that I can get it out of the country or onto store shelves. Um, but there's really two kinds of hemp oil one, it has no, no CBD, no cannabinoids in it really to speak of. It's sort of an expensive peanut oil. Um, there's also hemp oil, which is really just extracted molecules that have been combined with a carrier oil that people take like medicine.
0: Hmm. So if the farm bill passes, if the language is included that would make this legal, would it clean up some of the, or would it clarify some of the rules and regulations about CBD as well, or was it, would it just apply to growing the crop?
1: It would absolutely open the door to CBD production. There are people gambling that some of the largest consumer brands in the world, from Coca-Cola to Molson Coors, uh, the kinds of Nestle humongous food producers that have said they are interested in uh, exploring CBD. But right now it's kind of confusing as to whether it's legal. So farmers are gambling that if the CBD confusion is cleared up in the farm bill, it would clarify that CBD production is absolutely legal, no matter where you are. So you're going to see enormous brands get into this space, and what they do for the overall market. Uh, a lot of people are hoping that everyone gets rich, uh, but as we know, from if you've uh, spent a lot, of, if you're a farmer yourself or spent a lot of time around agriculture, they always jokingly say uh, that farmers are so good they can grow the money out of anything. So we'll see where prices go if everybody can. Uh, produce CBD.
0: Can you give us a That's a great phrase. Farmers can grow the money out of anything. That is so true in the current commodity market environment we're in. What what kind of price targets are we looking at right now for hemp? Is it sold by the bushel, by the pound, by the gram of oil? I don't even know what the market looks like.
1: That's a great question, and it's one thing that uh, farmers really want to see cleaned up. Right now you see state-by-state patchwork markets, and you kind of get for it what you can get for it. It is right now traded and sold unlike any other crop where people are seriously going on Facebook and sending out tweets trying to find buyers on LinkedIn. You see prices vary widely from um, people selling whole flower. Generally, that's by the pound. Um, Flowers generally sold by the pound, which is how marijuana is sold. And you see prices from as low as about $100 a pound, up to $600 to $1,000 a pound for, high, for varieties that have high levels of CBD in certain states because people aren't comfortable transporting it across state lines right now. Oh. Um, but then if you, look at, if you look at the fiber varieties, um, these are like the big tall varieties of hemp that grow taller than a house. You can grow thousands of acres and machine harvest, and it's grown much like, in, like a, like a flaxseed or canola would be grown. A, a pretty commercial, industrial, large-scale agriculture, that stuff trades by the ton, um, and it, the prices are much, much lower.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Kristen, it's going to be interesting. What, what are you watching? When are you expecting to get some news here on the legal status of hemp?
1: Congress is expected to see a draft of this final compromise um, on Monday, December 11th. Um, then we're going to wait to see Congress try to uh, get this through the, the House and the Senate. Everybody says, oh, the the goose is cooked, the deal is done. But if you have ever watched a farm bill, boy, <laughs> I tell you, producers are not going to be counting on something getting to the president's desk until it has passed the House and passed the Senate. I always say the farm bill is so big that there's something for everyone, something for everyone to hate. So it is real easy to say, oh, why can't lawmakers agree on this? Well, there's something huge that's important to the producers in your state for every single member of Congress. So we're going to see that final language. Then we'll have to see um, the Congressional Budget Office. They're the ones who just tell us how much programs are going to cost or how much any idea that a politician has, how much this will uh, either cost the country or make the country. Um, Then we'll need to see the House and Senate give final votes to that Which we would expect by the December 21st. If Congress does not decide by the 21st, they have to start from scratch. That's because we have a new Congress coming in in January and anything that is not settled before Christmas dies forever. So we have a real short window here, the next two weeks to see if it goes a lot. There's a lot of big programs, not just the Farm Bill, a lot of other really important uh, measures that people care about a lot. Everybody, this is the time where everybody is jostling and elbowing each other and trying to get their ideas across the finish line. This is going to be a real sprint on the farm bill. There's positive signs. You see some very powerful Democrats, some very powerful Republicans saying it's time to act. We've got it all worked out. You even see Secretary Perdue um, planning to, on the Hill, whipping this bill, going to lawmakers to sell them on getting it done so I'm optimistic. The industry uh, uh, of any commodity is optimistic that this is going to make it to the president here by the end of the year.
0: All right. Now, if our listeners want to do a little more research, if they want to consider hemp as perhaps an alternative to what they're currently growing, how can they get to Hemp Industry Daily? What's your website?
1: Okay. Just what you said, Hemp Industry Daily, uh, all spelled all spelled out, three words, com.
0: Fantastic. Well, Kristen Nichols, thank you for taking the time to shed a little light on this for us.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and the help, and I look forward to talking to you again.
0: Well, that was Kristen Nichols with Hemp Industry Daily. Uh, it's going to be neat to see if this does become a viable option for growers in other states. You know, I think we've got a fair amount of, of ditchweed weed growing in Iowa. I remember spotting it when I was in high school, only looking for it, of course. But, uh, I mean, it seems as though a lot of climates might be suitable. Huh. Interesting stuff. Well, folks, we want to wish you a fantastic weekend. If you want to get caught up on past episodes of the podcast, of course, you can go to agnewsdaily.com. It will redirect to our new home at the Global Ag Network, or you can visit us on Facebook and on Twitter. Just search for Ag News Daily. And with that, I'm going to let you go.